Hello, everyone. Welcome to this fun episode on the Product-Led Podcast. We are going to be digging into this really interesting topic, which is how to 10x your product-led business with community-led growth. So we've been chatting a lot about this topic about like, what is that connection of community, education, uh, when it comes to product-led companies? Because when it comes to some tools, you're not all like Calendly. When it's like you, you go into the product and it's like, okay, like anyone can get to value very quickly. A lot of tools require education. They require uh, different ways of thinking to really utilize them. So we're going to kind of unpack this, what that looks like. And some of the takeaways you're going to get by listening to this is you're going to really learn like what is the importance of community throughout all of this to really bolster and grow your product-led business. And then really just understanding the other concepts like how people use your product is really, really important. Just understanding like what are some of those other ways and also how can you create an ecosystem where people can build a business from utilizing your product. So there's a ton here we're going to unpack, but I wanted to introduce G, who is the CEO and founder of Lempire and Lemless. And if you are on LinkedIn, it's pretty hard to miss this guy (laughs) because he's everywhere and he's clearly eating his own dog food here when it comes to really community-led growth. So Deep, welcome to the Product-Led Podcast. Thanks a lot for having me, Wes. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So could you share a little bit about your, like, I guess, reason why behind this topic? Because you have been utilizing community-led growth for a long time. And I have been aware of you for like ever now, it feels like. I was like, man, uh, <laughs> this is cool to have you on. But what is like, I guess, the main reasons why you're so passionate about this kind of connection between community-led growth and product-led growth? I feel like, uh, I mean, SaaS is obviously like a, an amazing industry where yeah. scale is something that when you reach it, it's really, really exciting and you can reach and impact the life of so many people that, you know, everyone gets excited about it. But as you mentioned in your intro, you know, like uh, not all tools are calendly like meaning that yes. you set them up and you don't have a bit to be a, like a, a genius or particularly skilled to use it. It's just very straightforward and you get the value out of it directly. Actually, what I found out is that a lot of products that can bring a lot of value and help people solve very specific problems actually need that learning curve, actually need that education part so people can maximize you know, the benefit that they're getting from the tool. And when we launched Lemlist uh, back in 2018, we realized like the industry was complex. You know, like, uh, mm-hmm. So Lemlist is basically in the outbound space, so reaching out to people you don't know. And we realized all the different topics that people had to face. Like, how do you make sure to write the good emails? Mm-hmm. How do you find the data to reach out to people? How exactly do you make sure that your emails uh, are delivered, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. So there were a lot of topics that just with a tool, people couldn't have figured out everything. Mm-hmm. So from the very beginning, I just decided to start creating a place. At first, it was not even a community. It was just like a, a group of people where I was sharing the things that I was doing and my discovery. So everything that I was testing to grow the business using our own tool, so eating our own dog food, as you mentioned, yeah. I was sharing it in the community. And step by step, I realized that most of the content you know, that had been created on the topic was content created by marketers to drive traffic for specific keywords. Mm-hmm. So we know how SEO, so search engine optimization, can sometimes, you know, like, drive traffic and convert for a different product, but also how the content is written for Google and not always for the readers. 
And in that specific case of sales prospecting, I was, you know, like uh, typing, for example, or searching on Google, like uh, cold email templates. And I would end up on the HubSpot article with this 50 cold email template that everyone had copy pasted at least once in their life if they've done (laughs) sales prospecting. (laughs) And that in the end, don't work. So I think like a lot of time in a lot of different industries, people have self-limiting beliefs or Mm -hmm. at least like the wrong ideas or process on how to do things. And communities are just so amazing to bring value and educate people about a certain topic that I kind of started to, you know, like fell in love with with, Mm -hmm. uh, the community uh, in 2018 when we got started. No, I love it too. And I was thinking about like, I don't know why, video games. <laughs> when it yeah, comes definitely. to like the difference between like a Calendly versus <laughs> like, you know, some software tools, like there's like Solitaire, which is like, okay, like almost anyone can like get up to speed on this one pretty quickly. <laughs> and then there's different games like, uh, oh, my addiction in high school was Battlefield. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so like, it takes a lot of like, you know, overtime skill to kind of mm-hmm. like get better at this. And same thing with sports. Like, okay, yeah, first the value might be quick, but then to get really, really good at it, it does take time and ability. But one of the things I, I liked that you pointed out there was you really found like those people who are using your product in a very unique way. And then you kind of put the spotlight on them and help them kind of like, yeah, you put them on the spotlight. Could you share a little bit more about like how you did that, how you found some of these people who are like really winning with your product? Because it's really interesting. It's like, yeah, it's like you're basically putting these people on the pedestal of like, this is what we want more of. <laughs> and I think it's a really great way to build community as well. Definitely. So I think like the most important part whenever you get started with community, because a lot of people, you know, get stressed about like how many people are going to engage. How does it look like? Like how I'm going to have my users actually come to a dedicated place. First thing is always remember like the Reddit use case where the founder of Reddit actually started by asking themselves questions and answering the questions. So it create like content. So whenever people come, they would see the content and would start understanding how the community and the platform works. So first thing, you need to lead by example. And the first thing that I was doing back then is that, for example, in our case, whenever we are talking about like uh, sales prospecting templates, everyone felt like their cold email, so the email they were writing, was actually their secret sauce. So something that they should not share to anyone because it must be kept secret. You know, there's so much value into mm-hmm. what you wrote that you can't share it to anyone. It's really like a, your own secret sauce. So what I did is I decided to share my own. Each week, right. I was showcasing a template of what I was sending and the results of my campaign. So it was very actionable, very straight to the point. And I did that for about like 16 weeks. So people could every week, you know, like see the different approach that I was using, et cetera, et cetera. And down the line, I decided to launch what I call the Lemlister of the week, which is basically telling to people as the community was growing, I was telling them, okay, I want to showcase your work. And I want to showcase those of you, you know, who are having like uh, those amazing results with your campaigns. Mm -hmm. And I want to, you know, build a case study around who do you reach out to? How did you reach out to them? What wording have you used? What templates? Like, uh, did you use like uh, any extra personalization, videos, images, et cetera, et cetera? Show the results to the community. And at the same time, mm-hmm. give, as you were mentioning, like an opportunity for people to be on the spotlight and be, you know, like in front of thousands of our users and hence potentially like get more visibility for their business or mm-hmm. even for them as person. Awesome. So 
start off with leading by example. Love that. Can I kickstart that? And then two is like showcase others. You created that like weekly activity of like, this is the Lemluster of the week. What were some of the other things you did to really like foster that community? I think there were like a couple of things. First thing is like every time someone is asking a question, make sure to reply like uh, really fast and spend time, you know, to write like a sort of reply. So even if your community is mixed a little bit with some support topics, I think it's important for people to show that you are here and that you care. Because if people ask a question and they get a reply like almost straight away, they're going to feel like listened and they're going to feel like they're part of something a bit special. The other part is, you know, like to always answer like what's in it for them in everything you do. So for example, when we have the Lemlister of the week and we put the spotlight on people, what's in it for them? It's simple. They're going to get like a lot of visibility for their business and potentially like new customer. And the third thing is also trying, you know, like uh, to find those um, power users or people who are just um, generally interested in helping out and who also, you know, like uh, enjoy the status of being experts and really trying to to reward them and uh, reach out to them, build like specific relationship, have them, you know, in exclusive groups. I think it's important in a community to have like uh, different levels. So you have maybe like uh, the people who just joined and were discovering, you know, what's up. You have uh, the lurkers. So just the one who are checking out like the content and then people who actually come and ask questions straight away. And then after that, you have the ones that have been there for such a long time that knows the ins and the out, they've seen all the questions and you want to also incentivize these people or at least tell them, you know, how important they are for the community mm-hmm. so they can keep, you know, like uh, entertaining the community and engaging. And I do feel like uh, another part that is really, really important for the community is to ask people to share, you know, like the type of results that they are getting with your tool mm-hmm. or software. Because I think like what's really important, especially whenever you're building uh, a SaaS product that is not straightforward as Calendly and where people need to actually be skilled or learn like something new, is for people to understand what the future looks like when you do things the right way. So mm-hmm. whenever you have people who are sharing you know, their results in the community, then it's really like uh, boosting everyone and uh, helping everyone to, to kind of like level up. And this is great. Yeah, no, totally. There's so much to impact there because I think some of these things, like you will just say it and then it's so easy to like, like, oh yeah, that was an important thing. But it's like, oh no, it totally is. <laughs> like finding the power users, absolutely like so important because you're just being to be like, okay, what is going on there? Hopefully they're using your uh, tool in like a way that's like not spammy. <laughs> like, oh wow, they're getting results. You can do that by checking with them, asking them for the results and really being like, okay, these are the people we want to like up level and showcase as a Lemlister of the week. And then the different levels, that is something like even a product that we're like thinking through a lot as far as like our community, because there is always like in every community, there's the lurkers, there's people who just joins. And then there's like the rock stars who are like responding to everything. Like, wow, like you're awesome. (laughs) How do we like manufacture more of you? And (laughs) there's this concept of levels as well in sports as well. I think it's just a natural progression and people want to know that they're making progress. They want to see that, you know what, this is like, okay, I'm moving up in some ways. So how do you create that in a community? I think it's, uh, to be honest, it's a lot of unscalable work. Yes. A lot of um, conversations, <laughs> you know, like for example, the rock stars, I think like yeah. this person, like generally they want to help out. Like it's part, you know, of their, mm-hmm. of who they are. 
But if you reach out to them and, you know, like just make them understand like how appreciated they are and, you know, like ask even sometime for their opinion about the product. Cause you know, when I launched the community, we were starting in a very competitive space. So we had maybe like thousands of competitors doing like similar things to ours. And my goal from the start was, okay, we're going to build the best product in the world when it comes to sales prospecting, but we're not there yet. And I was like totally transparent, totally vulnerable, totally like honest with people. And from having this conversation with power users and asking them, you know, like, uh, okay, like what's really missing according to you? Like, what are you struggling with? Like understanding their pains, understanding why they love the product so much, et cetera. It's just allow you to create a product. And I think this is where, you know, like you have the product-led growth and community that can tie together is when you leverage your community to actually get insights about what you could, you know, like uh, just create within your product. Mm -hmm. And once you link the two, this is when your growth skyrockets. And a good example we have is, uh, you know, we started with um, with Lemlist, which was just a tool for cold email. So sending like a uh, cold email access prospecting messages. And then after that, we realized that people really needed to link uh, LinkedIn, calls and email. So we started being multi-channel. Yeah. And then, you know, after digging in the community, a lot of people were struggling with their deliverability, meaning whether or not their email was ending up in spam. Mm-hmm. And after, you know, like a few comments and posts in the community, we just decided, you know, like uh, to launch something called Lemwarm, which is like a tool that allows you to boost your deliverability and make sure you end up in the inbox. Yeah. And this was a hit, like really just, uh, we launched it as a separated project, etc., like for the community and on its own, without really like a, a lot of work from our end or a dedicated team on it, etc. We reached like 1 million in AR in less than a year with that specific product. And so I was like, that's huge. You know, like when you can link the two, growth can skyrocket. Awesome. Now, how did you create this community? So there's some different ways of approaching it. Like one way is like, okay, the community, anyone can join it. It's regarding like a particular topic, a way of doing thing. Let's say like cold email, like pros or whatever. And then you also happen to have a product that like solves that problem. And then there's ways where it's like, no, it's actually you purchase our product, you join our community, and then you get access to this exclusive kind of community. So like, how did that start from the very beginning of like how you got people into this community? How did you like kickstart it? And then how has it kind of evolved as part of like, maybe it's part of the product? Is it part of like, you just get access to it when you join the product? Or is it separate in that way? It's a good question. I think it started like uh, really like just me inviting like uh, our customers, the people, you know, who just joined into like a Facebook group. And after that, like to kickstart it, I was just like trying to find everyone talking about cold email online, reaching Mm -hmm. out to them, except like our competitors (laughs) (laughs) and just like reaching out to them and asking them to join the community and contribute. And step by step, you know, like with word of mouth and with the flow of signups that we were getting, uh, it's it's obviously it's a private community, meaning that uh, you need to apply to get in. But the application process is mainly for us to just remove people who are like spammy. So for example, yeah. if you don't have a, I don't know, like a, a profile picture uh, or like, a, and your profile looks dodgy and it looks really like fake or whatever, we're not going to yeah. accept you. But if you're a real human being, we will. And we are like uh, another step, you know, whenever you bring the community, I think it's super important to focus on the quality of the messages that go through the yeah. community rather than, you know, like how many posts, how many people are active. Because the truth is like a lot of people, I think per day, 
we have maybe like uh, 50 people who try to post something and a lot is uh, kind of like spammy. So we warn people whenever they're spammy and we also have like a non-jerk policy. So if people are being jerks or are talking like shit to others, we just like kick them out of the community. It's like a headshot directly, you know, like no warning. Yeah, no. It's uh, no jerk <laughs> policy and we're, and we're super strict about it. While, you know, like I see in other communities, people, you know, who are more like, uh, let's say chill and saying like, no, I mean, it's the first time that they did X, Y, Z. We're not like that. Like it's really yeah. like uh, very straight to the point because we want everyone to feel like safe in the environment. And for that, yeah. we need people who care about each other. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of have maybe started more on the chill side. Then we're like, oh my goodness, people are just like sending their product hunt link everywhere. Like kill them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Not kill, but boom. Yeah. <laughs> so I totally hear that. So we got like how you acquired the first people. You reached out to them, the experts in the space. And then it kind of like naturally kind of built up from people who joined your product in that area. Right now, how do you acquire most people through the community? I think like, uh, you know, like there is, we talked about like this first step or like kickstarting, getting yeah. the users. Then we had two main ways, which is the growth of the company. So yeah. the more people sign up to Lemlist, the more people we can invite to join the community. Mm-hmm. Now we are also making a transition from having the community on Facebook to using a platform called Circle that allow us yeah. to integrate via API the community directly into the product. That way people can find, you know, what people are talking about, like what uh, users are celebrating as milestone, et cetera, et cetera. So it gives like a a sense of belonging, which I think is really, really important. And um, the third way of reacquiring customers is what I call the audience sharing. So um, essentially like uh, we're going to have events and that's what we did in the past with, you know, like sales leaders. And during these events, I'm mainly like doing lives where I interview and we talk about like specific topic, etc. And because these sales leaders are actually, uh, you know, like uh, being invited with our audience of yeah. tens of thousands of people, they tend to also share it with their audience most of the time, yeah. the event, which means that we are leveraging their audience as potentially new customers and new audience for the future. So because the events are only held in the community, everyone from their audience who want to join has to become member of our community. So they come for the event and then they see like all the things that we are doing. And most of them will decide to stay in order for later on, you know, like to be able to uh, to just, uh, you know, like share, exchange. And what we've experienced with the community is it's also a great way as your product is evolving to convert more users. And that's why you don't push the sales or at least like we don't push the sales at all because we know that, you know, like for example, our product today is here, but in a couple of months it would be here and it will maybe like uh, address a much larger target market. Right. So right now, you know, it's, it's all about if you are not a fit for now, we will tell you. But if you are still in the community, you will see and you will know whenever the product becomes a fit for you. And at that time, it's super easy mm-hmm. to convert because you already have the trust because of the value that you yeah. brought and people already know you. So it's just basically like a one click and uh, and it worked out pretty well. Nice. I love that. And so you mentioned like events are a pretty big part of growing the community. Is that just like... How, can you walk us through how that works? Is it just as simple as like, okay, you put on events, both the speaker as well as you kind of like promote it to your broader audience and like, hey, if you want to join it, you can get access to the spree and at the end, the call to action is like, if you want more, Join the community or is that something different than that? 
No, so essentially it's more or less like uh, pretty straightforward. We're going to have like uh, this event broadcasted to our audience. We also prepare, uh, let's say like kind of PR kits for the experts so they can share it. So the, we prepare the messages or the post on LinkedIn that they can do with a photo, etc., and the link. Uh, if they have a newsletter, they can do exactly the same in their newsletter. And then mm -hmm. after that, it's not a call to action to join the community. It's if you want to watch the event, you need to be part of the community. That way yeah. we are sure that people can join a little bit earlier and understand how things works and go from there. Awesome. And how do you onboard people onto this community? Because I know like you mentioned, like there's the policies and like setting expectations is like a big part of it too. But is there anything else there that you do so that people can kind of engage quickly? Yes. Yeah, so um, what we try to do with the community at first, you know, like on Facebook, it's not super handy no. in a sense that uh, <laughs> you don't really have. So what we were doing is we were actually like getting people's emails whenever they were like, if they wanted to enter like the community, they had to leave their email. And once we had their email, we would then put them into a sequence, showcasing them all the important parts of the community. Mm -hmm. So for example, we had created like guides for each topic that are recurring topic and telling people, okay, like if you want to solve this, 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 here is a guide that you can find out. If you ask, then the second email is all your questions and problems solved. Then, you know, like walking them through, you know, like what they can find in the community, how we can solve their problems. And it, it was just a sequence kind of like a, I think you should treat your community a bit as a product. Yeah. And that's why I think like when combined product and community-led growth works really, really well, and it's exponential whenever you're growing, because it allows people to discover, as you said, like it's, you discover a community the same way you discover a product. And the more comfortable you are with it, the better your results will get and the more engaged you will be and the more growth you will see. You know, absolutely. I love that uh, mindset too of like thinking about it as uh, a product as well, because it does have all the elements of one and <laughs> <laughs> that experience. Now, I want to connect this back to product that grows. How has it like impacted your business? Because there is... That connection we talked about a lot about like, okay, how do you like build a community that is really, really important and it will thrive for your business. But what does that connection look like? There was a couple of things you pointed out, I'll kind of like rehash, like, okay, you're showcasing the top people, the lem lister of the week. So like, that's probably great from, you know, just showing examples, getting people like bought in who are like on the fence, like, should I try your lem list? It's like, okay, they see that. So I can see the business kind of impact there. And then finding the power users and like, yeah, basically showcasing them as well and getting their opinions on the product, finding like what are the, the pain points they have and actually solving them. That's all great. But what are some of those other connections you hear where it's like, okay, community-led growth, product-led growth, what are some big factors there that you found are really great connections to, to create that faster product-led business that grows? I think like one of the most important parts, you know, like uh, of a business is the yeah. brand that that they build. You know, like uh, for example, right now we've seen, you know, like all these type of examples where you have, let's say, like the Coca Cola font on Pepsi, and everyone yeah. understands it's Coca Cola. And uh, I think the brand is really, really important. And the brand, to me, also goes with what feeling do people have whenever they are part of the community. Mm -hmm. And if you can create such a strong brand through a community, which I think is what we, we managed to accomplish in, in the last four years, we've realized that we have a lot of agencies or freelancers who are people, you know, who are um, leveraging, you know, like sales automation tools mm -hmm. for their clients. And more and more, these persons started to reach out to us saying like, okay, like my clients 
keep <laughs> talking about Lemnist. Yes. So I have to set this mm-hmm. up. How exactly can we work together? <laughs> We're an agency with, let's say, like 20, 30, 40, 100 clients. How exactly do we get started? And this is like huge business driver because if your community is really huge and people, you know, because sometimes, you know, like whenever you have a tool like ours, which is really like you need to be skilled if you want to get good results, you can either learn by yourself or buy like uh, the service of a professional mm-hmm. agency or freelancers. We've realized that on top of our platform, people could actually start making money. And I think this is also where and another great example of um, company who did that, you know, you can have HubSpot with their partners, which is like similar to us. Mm-hmm. And also like Notion, which actually, you know, like uh, everyone uses Notion, everyone loves Notion. But in the end, you know, like uh, some people have started to create those awesome templates and they start selling it for, let's say like 30, 40 bucks. And then after some, like a few years, you start seeing people making hundreds of thousands of dollars selling Notion templates every year. And I think Mm -hmm. like the day where you have these stories of people creating their business around the platform and the SaaS that you build, this is when really like I think community and product-led can amplify all of that and just make you skyrocket. Totally. Yeah. And I think there's like, I remember um, listening to this audiobook, I what it was called. I think it was Blood Scaling by Reed Hoffman. He was talking about like the power users at LinkedIn. And <laughs> they were like the... Not scum. <laughs> they were just like adding <laughs> everyone on the platform and connecting with each other. They had a specific word for it. I don't know. But yeah, it was like mass connectors. And okay. because, yeah, and initially you couldn't connect with anyone who wasn't like anything beyond a second degree connection. Mm, that's so true. That was pretty interesting. But they had to basically like be like, I'm not going to listen to those power users because that's probably not the average kind of person that we hope. It's going to be on this platform. <laughs> the average person is going to like connect with you know people that they generally want to connect with, and like that's the kind of relationships that we want to foster. So like they had to kind of say no to some of those power users. I'm curious if you ever had any kind of example like that where you're like, you know what, this power user like we probably should not like kind of give too much weight to, to what they're trying to accomplish in this product because like what you mentioned there like with the notion examples the the templates there i'm like yeah totally like they're creating templates they're creating like we've also a product that like purchased these uh workspaces we're like oh cool like <laughs> um, this just provides so much more value than setting up all these databases and integrations and stuff like that too so it saves a ton of time but what are some examples where you found where it's like you know what we just didn't lesson and it was because it wasn't maybe in alignment with your values as a business or something like that. Yeah, I think like power users and product roadmap uh, are mm-hmm. very, very different. Uh, I think like your power users in most cases actually like uh, are not the one, you know, we should uh, tell you what feature you should develop because the thing is like your power user are spending like so much time on your products that sometimes, you know, they're going to overcomplicate things or they want very, very specific things that don't actually fit 99% of the people who are using and finding value on your product. And I think like the biggest risk as a software company, whenever you're growing, is to build a a feature factory. So just had Mm -hmm. so many features that the product becomes totally like non-usable. So I think like um, what we had and and that happened to us like uh, many times, like people asking for things that were way too many specific. 
And even though we love these users and you know we, we value their feedback, in the end, it was not aligned with our strategy to keep a product that is really like easy to use and very straightforward. Another thing that we did, which I think is uh, quite tough as a SaaS company, is uh, killing features. Mm-hmm. So whenever you see that the feature are not being used or that people you know are not getting value out of it, you have several steps. First step, can we do this feature better? Like technically, can we market it better? Which is actually like the first step is, can we market it better? <laughs> Second step is, okay, we've done a lot of marketing on it. We believe it's helpful, but it doesn't show like uh, in the metrics we're tracking. So can we actually maybe do something in terms of UX, in terms of product, in terms of code? And then the third part, if, if you keep having this type of results, then maybe it's, it was not just a, a good bet and you should kill the feature. And what's tough when this happens is usually like uh, you always have a small percentage of people who are using the feature and finding like extremely valuable and you still have to kill it for the greater good. So I think like uh, you have to be like, yeah, ruthless <laughs> when it comes to product development and also like follow really like the, the long-term strategy of, you know, like your vision and aligning like the product and the vision. Totally. Yeah, uh, I'm going to steal the quote from Leonardo da Vinci. Simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And it's so true when it comes to like killing some of those features. I sure. like this. <laughs> I'm going to write this down. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah, you mentioned before you were talking about like resources and like how do you empower and kind of like really up level the skill sets of some of these people when it comes to like, yes, you provide say a cold emailing tool, but how do you create great emails? How do you create engaging stuff that potential customers will actually respond to? Like that part really, there's a a big skill gap. There's not just like the product gap of like, okay, yeah, it's easy to use. Then my emails suck and I'm not getting results. (laughs) So like, how do you really kind of combat that side of things when it comes to like that knowledge gap that some people come in to a product and they're like, I'm not sure how to, to deal with this. My personal feeling, and I think this applies to most SaaS businesses, is that you are fighting, like your worst enemy is people's laziness. Yeah. And whenever people need to learn something and the learning curve is, you know, like X, Y, or Z, you need to understand like what can make people learn, what can motivate them to learn, and how can you teach them in a way that makes it easy for them to understand it. So what we decided to do is invest heavily into like courses and masterclasses. So create our own based on really like um, tested and proven approaches. So people could just replicate and get results. So the first thing, the idea behind what we started was actually to get a CAC. So customer acquisition cost that would be negative mm-hmm. for our software. And the reason why it could be negative is what we thought is that If we, let's say, like acquire customers on the masterclass, they're going to pay for the masterclass, which means that technically they give us money to then later on convert and access the product, Mm -hmm. which would be like a a negative, sorry, like a customer acquisition cost. So that was our first like hypothesis. And when we launched the masterclass, I did like a webinar. And in one hour, I sold for $100,000 worth of masterclasses. But for me, it felt a bit weird at that time. Of course, I was happy. I also offered like coaching. So one-on-one coaching because it was the launch of the masterclass. So I was yeah. really willing, you know, like to meet with people. I did a hundred coaching. 
in let's say like three weeks, which was uh, the equivalent of 50 hours. <laughs> so you're uh, burnt out. And <laughs> exactly, I burned out. <laughs> and I created like a, a community where I was doing yeah. like for about, I think, six weeks weekly calls with everyone in order to understand better, etc., etc. Et and what I realized is, you know what, like if we really want to help out people at a larger scale, we should give uh, these masterclasses for free and have people, you know, in communities mm -hmm. where they can really like level up because in the end, you are teaching people on how to make money. My first hypothesis was, okay, if we don't have people to pay, they will not be engaged enough to actually finish the course. But right now we're, we're just doing the, the opposite. And uh, I've seen people, you know, who have been giving the masterclass for free who are just like so happy with it that mm -hmm. it feels great to be able just to say, okay, create the best content, the most actionable way possible, no fluff, where people can just reproduce and don't spend, let's say like a 20 hours course uh, as if, you know, you're back to college. And from mm -hmm. there, really like uh, push the community, push the sense of cohort. And then uh, try to have people, you know, onboarded on your software. Because down the line, like the most important thing of any SaaS business is the retention. So how many people are going to keep using your product? And if you want people to keep using your product, you need them to be successful. And for them to be successful, at least in our case, it means that they need to understand how to do things the right way. Mm -hmm. And this is part of the education. Yeah. How do you kind of segment people based on where they are at in that journey? Like I know I was interviewing uh, Nathan Berry from ConvertKit. Like one of the first mm -hmm. questions on their signup experience was like, do you have an email list? <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Okay, great. Like, okay, we're not going to send you the beginner content of like, how do you get your first 100 subscribers kind of thing. So it was like very like, okay, this seems like a very stupid question, but it's very important on the back end because you're like supplying them with like, okay, this is where you're at. And I wonder in your case too, like if you ask people, you know, have you ever created a cold email sequence or something like that? Like, okay, you're at a different level if you have. And so how do you kind of meet people where they are at in their journey and kind of supply them with the right content and resources they need to get to the next level? So they are like, Two things. One thing that we're currently doing and one thing that we will start implementing. Yep. The first thing that we're currently doing is similar to what Nathan is doing. So, you know, like um, at the very beginning, people go through a funnel where they've asked, uh, they've been asked, you know, like, what's your goal with email outreach? Have you done it before? Connect your CRM. So for us, like if they connect their CRM, it means that technically they already have customers. If they yep. already have customers, it means they have a real business that is, you know, like generating cash, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like we have different ways to like see where people are at and at the same time also because it's not only about where you're at it's also what action are you taking on the platform mm -hmm. so if people are starting their campaigns and we're seeing that their results is below let's say a certain percentage then we're going to trigger different type of content that we're going to push them and that content is meant to educate them and the new thing that we're going to do is trying to push directly you know like uh, within the product things that are either like community-based because right now it's mainly like uh, triggered through emails. So we get the triggers directly from what people are doing and then we send an email. But I believe that everything should be like in-app or at least as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And I think like Ahref is, uh, is also doing a great job with that, you know, with uh, all their little like information on notes next to each features yeah. to, to educate people. And I think this is very like, it's really great. It works well. But the issue I would say is like it's static 
and if you can make things dynamic. So for example, like, I don't know, in our case, it would be if someone is getting like less than 5% reply rate, we might, you know, just like stop their campaign and say, okay, you're rushing, you're doing something wrong. Go to, uh, you know, like that specific part of the course. And once you yeah. finish it, and then after that, you know, like there is this big um, question mark on to what extent should you, you know, like uh, force the education on people? Should you yeah. really be about like, I mean, man, you're getting like shitty results. Uh, we're stopping everything until you have not completed like the course you're out. <laughs> should you go like to that extreme or should you be like more, uh, you know, gentle and just trying to offer content to people and uh, if they don't want to learn, they don't want to learn. And maybe some people, you know, are happy with mm-hmm. low reply rate because in the end also, everyone has a different uh, business. If, for example, you are like uh, closing million dollar deals and you get like this 10 meetings a month yeah. with really mm-hmm. low reply rate and you close one, I mean, the ROI on the product is just amazing. <laughs> yeah. Or you're mm-hmm. one of those people who are sending those emails where it's like, I'm a prince and I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you have been chosen for Here's my, my inheritance <laughs> out of the blue. <laughs> Just sign here. Yeah. yeah. Those ones are pretty low, I'm sure. Mm. I hope at least. <laughs> no, those guys are blocked from our platform. We have like algorithms yeah. to detect that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. So... Given like all your experience on the community-led, product-led side of things, like if you were to go back in time and like with all the knowledge you have right now, what would be like some of the things you would do differently if you're going to really foster community and how you kind of level up your product-led business at the same time? I think like from the start, I would choose like a a dedicated platform for the community. So we started on Facebook, but I think like right now, you know, we're going to make the switch and the switch is going to be like costly for sure. Like uh, we know that we're going to lose some user. We know that some people are not going to be happy with changing platform, et cetera, et cetera. And owning your platform makes you really in control of uh, everything you do. We've seen a lot of, you know, like private group on Facebook who are working well, et cetera, et cetera. I don't doubt it. But down the line, if you really want to link it to your product and be able to connect like APIs and be able to showcase within the Mm -hmm. product what's happening in the community and create really like a big movement, you should do it from the start. So that's like, I would say number one. Number two is invest as early as possible into your users and keep doing it. So what we did, you know, with the Lemlister of the week, it's something we did like uh, on a weekly basis for about like 60 or seven weeks, 70 weeks. And in the end, we were thinking like, okay, maybe we can find something different. We want to implement it something new and we cannot stop like doing that for a while. And I think it was a mistake. Uh, it was really a mistake because everyone really enjoyed it. People were finding a lot of value out of it. And we kind of like cut it from the for the wrong reason. So I think like consistency in whenever you're starting things is, is something really important. Mm-hmm. And something I would also do differently is um, reward the community in a different manner. So for example, like uh, if you want people to really be involved in the community, you need to answer what's in it for them. But that answer needs to really convince you that people are going to do like their best Mm -hmm. to get something out of it. So I'm giving you a very specific example. Something that uh, we will launch in the coming months is uh, the $10,000 challenge. So a lot of our customers are either entrepreneur or sales rep, meaning that for them getting like 10K, it's pretty decent. (laughs) You know, like Mm -hmm. it's uh, it's always something cool. And the 10K, $10,000 challenge is going to be about sending a cold email and a campaign 
and the best campaign will get the $10,000. And there would be like a, a jury oh, with so it's uh, not sales just getting 10,000, but it's like you'll get an additional 10K. A exactly. And you will get like, a, we will give personally, like Lemnist will send out a $10,000 check to that person who's having like, or who's done the best sales prospecting campaign. And by doing so, you force people to level up so they can get to that $10,000. You really like incentivize people to generate business, et cetera, et cetera. And for you, it's like just so much great content. It's also a great way to incentivize people to level up. And then, you know, it's just like a, this type of situation where it's win, 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 which I love. Totally. Yeah. And there's so many like, you know, benefits of building a community that you don't think about going into it as well. Like I know for us, we're looking at like, what are the common questions that keep popping up? And it's like, <laughs> we have to have content on this. Because... <laughs> and then when you do like go to write it, you're like, wow, those like rock stars that like were spent like, you know, 30, 40 minutes are flying to this day. It's like, we're going to basically use what you said, give you the credit and put you on the stage because like you already did all the work. Nice. Um, so there is so many things there too, where it's like from a content perspective, understanding it makes a ton of sense. And I love what you tied into it as well, like reward the behavior you want and really like put in the terms of like, yeah, rewarding what's in it for them. Like that 10K challenge, of course, that's in it for them. They can have that sense of community as well as connect with each other along that way. And that actually makes it more sticky too, not just like with using your product, but also with like, okay, I want to come back to this community. This is like my tribe kind of thing too. So they feel more connection beyond just like, you're the tool. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and so when you said like you first things first, you would own the dedicated community platform. What were some of the like kind of like big reasons behind that? Yes, you can integrate it with your product. But was there any other big reasons why you felt like you know, just owning that dedicated community platform was like so important for you. Yeah. So obviously, like the first thing is how do you integrate it with your products? And you can't integrate it with Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, etc., etc. Second part is when you don't own a platform, you are taking a risk and the risk yeah. gets bigger as, uh, you know, like uh, the platform mm -hmm. is changing. Like, <laughs> so right now, for example, the number of users of Facebook it's kind of like decreasing or at least like stabilizing, which means that if they want to keep growing the revenue, it means that they need to give more reach to ads, which mm -hmm. means that they're going to give less reach to communities, other posts. And technically, it means that what, you know, like the reach you were getting from your community in the past will actually decrease for the exact same content with the exact same engagement. And I think this is tricky. And I think this is something that can impact directly your business, even though you're not in control. Whether if you own the platform, you are in control of all the content, you can keep it, it's yours, and you have it for the long run. And I think this is something like uh, Indie Hackers, uh, I think it's um, Portland, Allen, yep. uh, would just like sold to Stripe, did really, really well. Like uh, he built from scratch and engineered his entire like community towards what he wanted to build and it's working well. It's working really well for him. Totally. Now, for some people who are listening, they're like, I don't know where to start on this. I like what you're saying and I agree wholeheartedly that like this is definitely something I should consider. What would be like your quick, maybe like three-step action plan of like, here's what you should do from zero, get from zero to one on this? So I think like uh, you have a few platforms that you can use for communities yeah. that are free. It can be Slack, it can be Discord, it can be like a circle if you have a bit of a, of budget. Then the second step is uh, start finding like uh, between 10 and 50 people 
we can become like uh, the hardcore fans. You don't need like to have actually like uh, thousands of people straight away. Just start with, yeah, let's say 15 to 50 and make sure that they're getting shit tons of value from it. Create a lot of content from your own in the beginning, just so people can start interacting. So ask questions, engage, go on call with them, understand what they're looking for, understand who they want to connect with. And I think like this tied to become a connector. But let's give an example. You know, we all have these awesome friends who knows everyone and who brings us to like awesome parties and allow us to meet with incredible people. You need to be that friend. That's, that should be your vision for the community. Be the connector. So for example, and being a connector, and I think like uh, Nathan Latka did that uh, at some point in a, in a pretty good way where he was reaching out to, let's say, uh, the CEO of Spotify and saying, hey, mm-hmm. I've got the CEO of Airbnb doing this retreat. Would you like to join? And then at the same time, he was reaching out to the CEO of Airbnb saying, hey, I've got mm-hmm. the CEO of Spotify doing this retreat. Do you want to join? <laughs> and by being connected, just connecting like people, you can actually become like the, the person that everyone, you know, kind of like likes. And instead of being a person, you are actually a community. And I think like this is the best vision for a starter is like, how do I regroup people, connect them mm-hmm. around the topic that they care about? Because, you know, like sometimes it's just about, let's say if I reach out to you and saying, okay, like I'm with other like uh, course creators who are doing core based courses, making, let's say like five to 10 million a year. And we're doing like this call. Yes, of course, you're going to be interested because yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? And and I'm sure you could on your own organize it. But the thing is like, yeah. we have all so much things to do that we never do it. So if someone is making our life easy, then of course, we're going to be in. And, and I think that's what people are forgetting a lot. And a community mm-hmm. should be about making people's life easy. And if you can do that, if you can be the connector and if you can find yeah. that seed, so like the, the little group of people at the beginning, zero to one is going to be like uh, easy. <laughs> awesome. Inspirational. I love it. Now, I'm pretty sure everyone listening is thinking like, where the heck can I join this community? So like, where, <laughs> where should they go to apply? Because not everyone's getting in. <laughs> <laughs> Especially now, because we've changed like the, the process. So I think now it's, uh, you just have to go on uh, lemlessfamily.com. I need to double check if that's it. But yes, if you go to lemlessfamily.com, you're going to be able to access the community and apply. And, uh, and awesome. yeah, we'll let you in if you're cool. <laughs> <laughs> be part of the family. I love it. <laughs> awesome. And I know like we'll include in the show notes as well, like uh, your LinkedIn as well, because like you do awesome stuff there. But is there any other places that you recommend people connect with you, learn more about what you're up to? No, I think to be honest, like LinkedIn and the community are the best places. And if people have any question, I answer all my LinkedIn messages. Or uh, if you want to email me, guillaume at lemlist.com. If you don't know how to spell guillaume, that's normal. <laughs> it's basically yeah. William in French. <laughs> awesome. And yeah, I don't know how you respond to all your LinkedIn messages. <laughs> <laughs> That's for another topic. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks a lot, Wes. Thank you for listening to the Product-Led Podcast. If you found this episode helpful, 
please share it with a colleague or friends you know who might benefit. We are always looking at which episodes get the most listens so we know which content to create more of. So if you want more of this particular type of content or style of episode, please share it out. And in return, here's your selfish reason to do this. Uh, we will definitely create more content just like this episode. <laughs> and if that's not your style, please leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts and tell us your favorite part about this podcast. I personally read every single one of of these reviews and it gives me more ideas on what content we should do more of. Happy growing.